Alrighty, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Dawn of Justice by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. Oh crap, I'm yawning. My name is Nathan. You can also find me on social media at NoClutchNate. Uh, I am Niall McGowan. You can find me on Batman is 89, a podcast much similar to this one, where we're looking at Tim Burton's 1989 Batman film, one minute at a time, three days a week. So, Cool. All right. Thank you for wrapping up the show with us. It's yes, been a, it's, it's, I'll, I'll say it at the same time. Pleasure. pleasure. Got it. <laughs> that was, uh, that well out. rehearsed there. Right. <laughs> it's planned. Um, today on Donna Justice Minute, we're talking about minute number 45, which starts with uh, Bruce Wayne touching the blood that's dripping from the, his mother's grave. Oh, is it supposed to be blood? It's supposed to be blood, right? It's blood. It's not like... Uh, I mean, what else would it be? I don't know. Power Rangers had some sort of ooze in it. Yeah, but it was Ninja Power Turtles Ranger. have ooze. Um, it's there's blood. other movies that have it's ooze. Blood. It's blood. How do you do the blood hand symbol? Like, don't do oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah. yeah, and then it ends with Alfred noticing that Bruce uh, has opened a few too many bottles of wine last night. Um, so there's some, some questionable things that happen in this, in this minute. Um, questionable. Yeah. But you know, right away, let's, let's start off with, uh, with, uh, what happens in the beginning of this minute, right? Yeah. Yeah. Questionable as in, would you touch it? If you saw the stuff seeping out of a grave, would you be like, Oh, I'm going to stick my finger in that. Or would you be like, yeah. Am I Batman? (laughs) No, but I don't know, man. It's even like, it's just the fact that, ah, that's of a, of a, even with Batman, unless if he is wearing his gloves, fair enough. But this is like, oh, barehanded? It's like, oh, no, I'm not touching that. The thought of Batman being like, oh, oh, God, no, I don't want to touch that. <laughs> That's even, That's I guess maybe, like, why is he touching it? I guess he's checking to see if it's warm or cold or what, what, what's his goal here? Is it just like, it's a thing, Some something oozes present. I got to touch it. It's just a, a, an instinctual thing. You know, I've been wanting humanity. to touch ooze. Yeah, you just I, I touched it. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, like if like it, you know, I noticed that like, you know, my car has an oil leak or something like that, and like if the oil looked weird, yeah, so like, get gravestone. down and like, if it's a gravestone, oh yeah, for sure, I'd be like, what is this? And like, you know, do the whole classic, rub it in my fingers and mm-hmm. try to try to try to be uh, Sherlock Holmes in that one moment where I'm deducing literally every possible situation of what happened. Mm. You know, that's just my mindset. I've read uh, one too many Batman books. Oh no, I'd be steering clear of it. I'd just be. I might maybe poke it with a stick, particularly <laughs> if it, if it's a oozing out from like my, you know his own mother's grave. It's just like, well, I've had some sort of like you know her body's <laughs> liquefied and it's oozing out. It's like, oh, I don't want to put my hand in that. You're crazy. Oh uh, man, you just turn around and leave it. Yeah, it'd just be like Alfred, go, come on, <laughs> clean up the grave. <laughs> He's like, if you had let me clean up this grave years ago, like I said, sir. <laughs> that is like, one right, thing. I've, I've always been curious as to every relationship that a Batman or a Bruce and an Alfred would have. Like, this one seems like they're both, like, they're just roommates. They just, mm-hmm. like, like Alfred does his own thing to keep up with, like, the house or whatever and, and do his every day. You know, he lives- obviously he knows that Bruce is still, like, the businessman. So, like, he probably does, like, the whole Monday through Friday businessman crap. They say yeah. that Alfred has his own 
on the same yeah on the same thing he's got his own little section but like he not in the same house not the same house but somewhere he lives on like the other end of the wayne property all right so like they're 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 brothers pretty much so it's like they each do their own part in the manor it's not like i've never liked the thought of thinking bruce is always like alfred bring me my tea i don't know whatever bring me my protein (laughs) pills pills Mm. bring me my vitamins cape Whatever. Well, I mean, like, yeah. I, th- I think I've actually uh, I mentioned I mentioned this on our um, on our own show, uh, Batman a Day Nine. The next minute, the minute after this one, is one of my favorite moments in the film because Bruce gives Alfred like, yeah. a cup of coffee or something. It, it, I really enjoyed that dynamic because you don't see it that often because Alfred usually is servant, mm-hmm. but this is very much like oh, Alfred gives him, you know. You know, out, out beside the lake and there's snark in the water because he's just constantly like oh not for the want of trying and all this yeah. sort of under his breath business but Bruce is always like oh just kind of takes it in good humor and I love that yeah the, Alfred comes in with the post and he gives him he's already made a cup of tea for him and it's like oh that's, that's really nice whereas you see like the exact opposite in like uh, things like um, Jeff Loeb uh, some of his stories like um, Haunted Night this bit yeah. of you know Batman is storming and tearing off his clothes, leaving them lying on the floor, and Alfred mm-hmm. running along behind him, picking them up. And it's like I don't like this subservient kind of business. I like it to be that you know that they're they're friends and they're, Alfred, they're equals, they're partners. It's like they, yeah, they yeah. each know what they're supposed to be doing in their role in yeah. really life. You know, Although, so. it, you have to wonder the the mentality again, but perpetually in any iteration of Alfred, because he is you know ostensibly Bruce's father. And, mm-hmm. you know, we see it particularly in this iteration where he's, you know, all this business of like, oh, you know, you're too old to die young, not for the want of trying. And he's very sort of like, oh, he's really got, it's really bugging him. And it's uh, the, the, this undying loyalty to Bruce and this whole crusade. But the fact you can tell that it's eating him up inside. He's like, I don't want him doing this because he is just unnecessarily placing himself in danger. And uh, but I have to stand by him. Like it's it, he's made this choice of like whatever he decides. Uh, even particularly going to war with Superman, just like uh, he, Alfred's completely against it, but he still stands by him. And it's just yeah. uh, I do enjoy this the, the 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 relationship between the two of them is is you know it's done well in quite a few films. It's done very well in the '89 film as well. But uh, it's actually in terms of follow-ups to the rest of the DC universe. Bruce and Alfred together is a dynamic I want to see a lot more of. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of them. So. Especially these two, the Jeremy Irons and Ben Affleck. Like, oh, yeah I, yeah. I want I want that even. I want more of that. No, that's mm. loyalty you can't buy. That's true. Um, <laughs> so there's a a, a, yeah. a thing that just, just jump scares you, and you where, know what it reminds me of? Where did that demon go in that painting? Hey, we talked about it yesterday. That demon was missing in that painting. Mm. And... Um, you know, I think it shows back up right here. Yeah, I think that's. Sh- I think it's what it is. Definitely shows up. It's not. I mean, everybody probably like will try to connect it with saying like, like, oh, it's that's Bruce's it's view of, of the- himself. Like he's like a a bat demon thing. It's like no, I don't think it's necessarily himself. Or like the it's, clowns who are like, oh, that's a man bat reference. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's, <laughs> that's that's that is the man bat. It's like no, n- n- no, that, that guy, why, why, that why guy would exists. He be yeah, why would he be dreaming of Kurt Langstrom? Like, come on, get out of here. It's like, that is probably, I don't know. Do you think it's what he views himself as? Well, I, I noted it as that, um, 
again, we're ta- you know, the, the, it works so much in tandem in terms of uh, what we were saying yesterday about the the stained glass window of Saint Michael slash Superman, mm-hmm. and um, at this point in you know this this iteration of Batman is one that's completely letting you know his darkness consume him in that. Yeah. yeah, it's like he's branding criminals, and he seems to be like completely homicidal in his in his chase sequences. Like he's just killing people left and right. Um, and it could be like, uh, yeah, the fact that the the, the 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 demon thing, much like a vampire bat, you know, bites into his neck. And like I was interpreting, it's like, yeah, it is some sort of iteration of like the the monster of Batman mm-hmm. is consuming it's consuming him. him. Yeah, yeah, it's it's becoming more of a. And it's feeding off him as well. It's feeding, you know, Bruce's sadness, you know, coming into the mausoleum. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, even the picture of, you know, St. Michael slash Superman, the, you know, the sadness and this, that thought that he has about him of, you know, potentially this figure coming down from the sky into a burning building. And the, the demon is now feeding on that as well. That it's, uh, you know, it, it's going to turn him, it's going to take him down. You know some dark alleys that you know. Thankfully, we see by the end he's able to raise himself back out of. But um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting scene. It's a, 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 it is a, it's a very deftly done jump scare as well. Because even when you know it's coming, it's just like oh god, here it comes. Ah! It just yeah. Because there's it, no it, it breaks through that uh, that wall with no effort whatsoever. It's like friggin' RoboCop taking the guy out of the mayor's office. You know? <laughs> it is. It's just like that. It was. It, it caught me. Uh, it did get me when I was taking notes. Uh, yeah. And the first time I watched the minute, I was like, "Okay, it'll pop out." But then I didn't realize like how much of a spike in volume it was. Yeah. And it's still. I was like, "Oh my god," because it starts like it, re- it like literally happens within the first two seconds of this minute. So it's like when you hit play, you have to like already be prepared for be, Yeah, to be ready. Because it just ha- already happens. Um, Why does it come out of his mother's grave? Should that is that a question we should be asking? Why specifically um, his mother's grave? No, I think, well, the mother's thing was important. But then yeah, but the jump scare. It's, 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 is it's, that what it is? Was it just a jump scare? Oh, it's supposed to just pop out of the grave. Why is it coming out of the grave at all? I guess but maybe if you're, uh, if you're to take it that this is some sort of symbolic thing of you know the monster that's uh you know the the concept of batman is becoming that's consuming him it that's all born from his parents death so it's it yeah. makes make sense that yeah symbolically it's tearing out of their grave and i guess maybe you could say it's from martha's grave in particular because of his memory of the death that his father saying martha is one of the yeah. things that's very prominent in this film so uh yeah i mean that's the work it work in theory there i guess i'm sure there's yeah if it's, way... a, if it's a, it, it, the batman thing that's in him could be like something that's been festering so what happens in this moment is like it breaks through like it's been encased in this idea of like his parents death to the yeah. point where it's like it's reached a breaking point so then you know that's why it results in this thing breaking out of the grave and mm-hmm. like kind of taking him with him yeah kind of yeah. thing so, I mean, this might be the dream where he kind of has, like, subconscious thoughts of, like, how Superman is the hero. Mm. Like, in reality. Like, deep down in himself, he knows that Superman is a good person. And it's actually him that's the demon. Mm. And well, it, it, here it is, like, showing up. Because it is a thing that uh, it works um, in terms of, uh, you know, Zack Snyder's treatment of some of his other um you know characters like uh, Rorschach in at the end of Watchmen, 
where he has to sort of let himself die because he knows that he can't compromise his own principles. It, it's, in, internally, he knows he has to die. And it's because he just, he could just change his mind and not, you know, decide to just go along with the whole scheme. But he's like, I can't, so you're going to have to kill me. And it's very mm-hmm. much like th- this, you know, uh, iteration of Bruce Wayne is like, he set down this path of like, I'm going to, I've got this whole, if there's a 1% chance that he can take us out, then, it, you know, I have to take it as an absolute certainty. But in, internally, psychologically, he probably does have his doubts and is very much feeling like I could be wrong here. And this is his fear of that coming up to the fore. That's like, maybe I'm my whole mentality of this character is wrong, but I'm set, I'm set now and I don't compromise what I am. But, uh, I mean, that'd be a question for Zack Snyder. I'm sure if, if you can get him on the show, that'd be really happy. Oh, he listens. <laughs> we talk to him every week. It could be that, yeah, like this, uh, this, this Bruce Wayne in this film is already the compromised version. So he has to kind of backtrack a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, and so that's getting, you know, you're talking to a guy who has to, to you know, talk about a Batman and you know the, the Michael Keaton version who readily kills people <laughs> like without yeah. any consideration, but uh, I think now, because in the public consciousness, very much because of the Nolan films, we regard Batman as a character who doesn't kill. So the fact that Affleck, uh, you know, his his version seems to do so with wild abandon. It, you wonder now that yeah, this is a point that he, he's already this is a line that he's crossed. But then it's kind of like, would that make the whole Batman never crosses that one line thing a bit void if he just goes back to but like oh no I don't kill people anymore I did for a little bit but now I'm better because <laughs> <laughs> you're kind of like, right like what it, you, there's no going backwards like I mean well I mean, maybe the, maybe the enemy changes yeah. maybe he won't like kill criminals anymore but he'll kill parademons mm. oh, it could you be know, though like, at, at the same time yeah. people will be like well you know the way you kill people for a little bit could you go in and kill the Joker just this one time. And then you can go back again because you know you just flip back and forth between like I was like oh you know I don't I don't eat meat except fish you know that kind of business so yeah. just like oh if you're gonna do it do it you know <laughs> wait you're saying there's no redeeming yourself after you've killed people I think it's more no like, I'm not saying it's not as black and white as that Mark I just didn't know where you're getting at yeah essentially yes but like if you have a Batman character that's been so loose cannon about the death of of these criminals that in a sense the criminals die because they either did it to themselves or they got in the way, you know, collateral damage almost. Mm-hmm. It's not like Bruce is, or Batman isn't intentionally killing someone, but he is intentionally probably killing parademons. Mm. So like, what's the trade off? Like you can't go back to like just the criminal saying like, yeah, well maybe he'll die by me, ha- my Batmobile hitting him in the car, happens- but this parademon, I'm going to rip his head off. Like they do. I mean, it happens in every superhero film. They look at the yeah. Avengers. Yeah. Like, the Hulk was crushing people, or demons, and or aliens, and so was Iron Man. Like everyone, everyone does it. Mm. So why why is it why is it this character in this film that we have such an issue with? Why? I'm not saying there's an issue at all. I'm just saying like I don't necessarily know why go like like what Nell said. Why go back? Why go back? Why try to fix things? Why yeah. try to be a better person? <laughs> oh, just it's meaningful. If if you're going to do it, then because it's like oh no, you can just decide. You can go back to like, oh, you know, the Joker's on the loose, and he's like, I'm gonna capture him. I'm not gonna kill him though, because Batman doesn't kill people. And it's like, well, you killed a bunch of people, like, like in the last movie. Can't you just kill this guy now? Like, why, why would he stop himself from killing 
if he's already done it, if he's already crossed the because, line, uh, it's just like, well, I've already crossed it, so kind of, you know. It, <laughs> it's, plus, you know, it, it gets in the, it has to question his own morality even more of, you know, I never take out these super criminals, even though, like, some people would argue that I should. And then he was in a position where he was killing underlings with, you know, you could say, like, oh, there was this uh, collateral damage. But, they, you know, there's some mm-hmm. shots in this. It was like, I think, no, he knew fine rightly he was going to kill them. Like, when he yeah, set yeah, out to for do, sure. Uh, and it just gets to the point of then, of him, if he decides to go back to been like, no, I don't do that anymore. He would have to have a conversation with himself of been like, should I, though? Because it's just like, I've already done it. And it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a line I've already left over and now I'm leaving back so it's uh, I mean this is all this thing we're, we're working on pure theory here as well because we can get the Justice League and he could be killing people left and right again but uh, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 a, it's a conversation we'll have to have again at, at, at another time I suppose I think the, the Batman film will probably touch on on his new methodologies hey, but, I don't, I'm, but, I'm not a know, stickler for it man I'm saying like I mean there's no, I don't think I mean, the the Superman exists now, so I mean yeah. that's the whole basis of all the change in this entire universe. Mm, mm. So with that existing, you know, why wouldn't he just go back to? I mean, because that guy exists. I I get it, man. That's I get <laughs> um, it. an argument for another time. <laughs> so, but uh, just real quick before we go into reality in this minute. Um, just want to kind of applaud the the suit design for this bat creature because it's a very beautiful suit. Mm. It is a, it's it's, prosthetic. It's, it's a cause, you know one of the things that it'll evoke instantly is the the bat creature you see in Batman Begins because that's a similar kind of oh it's a giant bat monster but this thing's way better because it looks even more horrific. But um, it might be because this one is like a practical effect with a person in a suit. Um, which if if you've seen like the behind the scenes photos and stuff, it's it's just creepy on its own. Mm, mm. What was the bat creature in Batman Begins? It's when he does the fear gas on the scarecrow. Oh yeah, okay. It I looks uh, it looks a bit like the thing from yeah. uh, Wishmaster with Batman ears put yeah. on top of him. <laughs> and it's like coming out of the, the blood coming out of the mouth. Yeah, yeah. But um, which. But the man, it looks like a combination of both, like a man bat and and that. I don't know. It's mm. whatever. It's good. It's good. I like it. It's cool. Mm. So maybe we should like have like those people that like analyze dreams and then just show them this fictitious dream. Be like, hey, what do you think this means? <laughs> Probably. If I they had it. to have done that in some sort of like production. Yeah. They had to have gotten some sort of guy that come in and be like, hey, man, I need you to analyze. Like, if I were to have this dream, what would it mean? Mm. Hmm. By the way, I'm Batman. <laughs> so it is a dream, by the way. So, you know, he wakes up in a panic and uh, he uh, reaches for some medicine, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm. Not sure why. I guess maybe. He's got a headache, man. Come on. Yeah. Could be, could be hangover. Already, could be. Could be hangover. He just could have been having a bad day. Mm. You know? Could you don't got, blame him. He's got a lot of prescription pills. Hey, you don't blame him. Yeah. Could be again. It's just a guy who goes out and you know gets himself pummeled every other night. It's just to be like, yeah, it's just got a lot of aches and pains. This guy, you know, just yeah. That's that's the craziest part of it because it's like that means that he didn't spend the night out fighting crime. He spent the night being Bruce Wayne and partying it up. Mm. So he made a moral decision 
to not dress up as Batman. Yeah. And to not fight crime. He said, you know what? I'm just going to get really trashed and just do illicit things. Yeah. I mean, Cal does it. You see him eating cereal shirtless one night watching the news. Like, shouldn't you be, shouldn't you be doing something right now? I mean, that's that honestly that if Superman was always helping people, he would never have a moment to, that's what I'm saying. That's why in the justice league cartoon, especially in unlimited, how it like became like shifts. Oh, it's like a job. I hate that. (laughs) I really don't like that. I don't like it when the justice league or any of these superheroes think of their, think of themselves and their character as a job mm. like that's just not that just takes you out of it yeah you wonder though so like does, when, you know, does bruce have like a night i was like oh yeah like monday through wednesday i go out batmanning and then thursday i have uh have to get a model over to keep up appearances you understand then friday me and yeah. alfred go shopping and then saturday and sunday <laughs> I'll, you know I'll, it's, a, it's an alternate every week maybe i'll do a bat, bit of batmanning if there's a super villain around but uh otherwise it's just a bit of me time you know that's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Which is which is crazy when it comes to like thinking about their their moral process. Like, should I be out there helping someone? Mm. You know, Superman probably is like listening to everything when he's just hanging out watching yeah. TV and hanging out with Lois. It's like it's like he could be out there, but he's choosing not to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, really. No, I mean, you can't be everywhere at once. Mm. Well, yeah, and, and you, you can't have, help everybody at once. You yeah, and you know. Just do your, your goal best. is to do as much good as possible. Yeah, just do your best, man. Yeah, and do what you can. Mm. Um, but I think some people would probably find a lot of issues with that. True. Because um, it's like you can't always expect Superman to save you then at that point. But, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, another thing people probably have issue with is the fact that Bruce Wayne seems to have gotten like drunk the night before. Whereas, again, you know, uh, classically in the comics, that Bruce Wayne used to be, like, as a guy who drinks ginger ale and pretends it's champagne because he's trying to keep his edge up. And, you know, getting drunk was obviously going to dim his faculties in the long run, potentially put him out of shape, all that kind of thing. So he just abstains from drinking altogether, where he seems to have had quite a party here uh, between him and this um, unseen young lady right next to him. Who um, <laughs> I just I was even wondering though from like uh, the, the next scene I was like I wonder when she leaves because like is she is she hearing all this talk <laughs> between Bruce and Alfred about like oh yes I've been investigating this now and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but um, uh, I did note though that apparently the bottle of wine he has is a Chateau Margaux, uh, 1945, which uh, apparently uh, you can get it it's, it's qu- not surprisingly it's quite pricey. But uh, I see it, it's apparently it's sold for up to uh, seven thousand five hundred fifty-two pounds sixty-three pence, or ten thousand one hundred eighty dollars nineteen cents. So uh, yeah, Bruce is he's really ten thousand dollars. Yeah. Jeez. So yeah, Bruce has been uh, he has been quite negligent with the wine cellar. I think with the well, the, the, we don't know how special this uh, this woman is to him. But for all we know, it could be like Selena Kyle or someone who's who's there with him. But uh, They've just decided to abstain from telling us that information, uh, even though that's incredibly unlikely. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure it's just it was just a Bruce Wayne night, mm. yeah. you know, and uh, it it does break a lot of rules in this. Well, I don't know if it's really breaking rules, but especially well for the Nolan universe, it is. It's breaking a, a couple rules with the prescription pills, the wine drinking. For the Nolan universe, you said. 
Yeah, oh. because that Batman would be out every night. Yeah, and trying to be at least be like ninety nine percent Batman all the time. Yeah, and he's the other one being... again. in the uh, the Dark Knight doesn't drink because you see him with the the flute of champagne, and he goes out to the balcony and mm-hmm. instantly throws it over the edge. So, uh, yeah, this whole uh, getting up and like downing his pills with a glug of wine from left over from the glass seems. Uh, you know, again, this is a, 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 you know it could be like well maybe he was like that originally, but this is this Bruce has sort of let himself not go, but he's he's compromised himself and he's like he's happy to like oh, I'll go out and get trashed and sleep with a few models and you know I don't uh, just have a glug of wine with my medicine in the morning it's fine it's fine you know that sort of uh, that mentality, but uh, yeah, uh, so we do get to see this new kind of. Uh, house <laughs> penthouse yeah and uh i think what's really interesting looking at the the art of the film book here is it's almost a it's a lie it's uh the way it's set up is it now yeah which is kind of you know a recurring theme tell me about it um so the way they designed the house is they wanted to seem like how bruce wayne would want you to see it which is very open it's a lot of windows so it's like it He's supposed to be a really open and transparent person. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about the house is that it's isolated and very far away from anyone to actually ever see it. Mm. So it's surrounded by a lake as well. So it's like, although it's open and transparent, you can't get to it and you can't see it. So yeah, it's almost like a lie in itself. Mm. Yeah. It, uh, it, it instantly brought up, um, in my mind, I, particularly the shot of him in the window. Uh, it really made me think of uh, the Lake Tahoe house in Godfather 2 at the end when uh, Fredo's killed. And we got a shot of Michael standing at a very kind of similar angle and a similar kind of house. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was thinking, like, you know, the language of cinema, that's probably, it could have been something Zack Snyder was going for. It's like, yeah, it's just, uh, I like that sort of isolated, uh, uh, moody house that, uh, you know, Michael Corleone had. And then it's also the fact that, like, you know, that was him going too far, like, you know, uh, a character who had to do very questionable things, going, pushing it even further by killing his own brother. And then this is spoilers mm. for The Godfather Part 2, by the way. Um, and, and this is kind of dealing with a similar thing of a, of, a, <laughs> of a man who's, you know, ensconced in these activities. And now he's going down an even darker path where he's attempting to kill someone who's like his brother in arms, essentially, as well. So. Um, mm-hmm. It might be again. That might be me reading that into it. It could have been complete coincidence, but uh, just by the shot of nothing it, nothing is coincidence. Yeah, by the shot of it, I figured, yeah, that 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 looks like something that they they might have been reaching for in the in that particular shot. But could be. I buy all of that. Can is this is this a real house? They built it for they this movie, it. didn't they? Yeah. Is it like working? Like, does someone own it? Mm, or know. did they put it on the market? Can you buy this house? Can you buy this property? I'm sure you can buy houses like it. Well, yeah, but like that specific one. I don't know. Try and find it. I can't. Contact com- Patrick Totopoulos. My computer died. I can't. I can't <laughs> do anything right now. I'm useless. Um, but the- I I buy everything that you said, Nile. I think I, I think I could invest in that. Um, here's a cool thought. Now that I'm trying to put two and two together, did he have the nightmare because he wasn't Batman that night? And it was like, hey, I'm going to be Bruce Wayne. I'm going to go out and party. And then it's like, 
he has to pay for it because the Batman in him is like angry. It's busting out. Yeah. It's like, yo, it's got to get out, man. What are you doing? Like, you should be out there. Yeah, right? probably. And it's haunting him. Mm. Yeah. Because it's coming out of his parents thing. It's like, you're not, what are you doing? You're supposed to be avenging us as being Batman. Mm-hmm. And yet you're not doing it. So, yeah, maybe, Mark. Yeah, that makes, huh. yeah, makes, that makes perfect sense, actually. Yeah. So, again, yeah, why, yeah, why else? Why wouldn't it just be any normal morning he's waking up? Why is it specifically one where he's clearly been, uh, you know, having a party the night before? So, it's like, yeah, yeah. it could be, like, it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's his guilt. Yeah. It's guilt. Yeah. It has to be. We hmm. do know that this Batman is a very guilty individual in this movie. Mm. I mean, he blames himself for literally everything. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. But, uh, yeah. It's kind of the most questionable of, uh, you know, because he's blaming himself for, I don't know, um, not, not getting people out of Wayne Enterprises and whatnot. But at the same time, even watching it again for, for research purposes, that bit where, like, the building is going down and he's running towards it. It's just like, what are you going to do, man? <laughs> like, it's, exactly. there is literally nothing you can do yeah. in there. So, so you got to do something. Yeah, but, I mean, it's Batman. He's got to do something, mm. so. Yeah. If you can do it, you ought to, right? I think that's the philosophical statement. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Niall, can you tell us about the first time you saw Dawn of Justice? Oh, yeah. I was out uh, opening day. I was, um, it was actually weird. It was, the, it was the day I was moving out of my, my own house. Uh, I was just moving into, like, a new, a new place. But the... Uh, that was our last day we we're allowed in this property, and I remember, like, in the middle of moving everything, I was like, "I'm gonna have to take like three hours off because I'm definitely gonna go see this film now." <laughs> and uh, I did. And uh, at the time, like, um, I, you know, I, I think I'm very lenient in a lot of things because I remember people really hated it. But I thought, like, was well, internet's you know blood in the water kind of thing. If someone doesn't like it, people are gonna jump on it now. And. Um, mm-hmm. Very much the same with the uh, like Suicide Squad. Like I don't rate a lot of Suicide Squad. A lot of fundamental issues I have with it. But when I watch it, I'm like, yeah, it's entertaining. I can sit through this. You know, I've, I've watched it multiple times now. I'm like, this could have been mm-hmm. a much better film, but it's not the worst thing in the world. Whereas most people will tell you, apparently, it's supposed to be the worst thing in the world. Um, this film, though, I, I, I still uh, I went out to see it. It was in the middle of the day, and it was a Friday. Um, cause like I work from home. So I'm like, I can go out and see it whenever I want. And I tend to go in the day because it's just, you avoid the crowds a lot more that way. Um, and yeah, uh, remember really, uh, certain bits of it really, really loving, like obvious things like, uh, the warehouse, uh, you know, the kind of Arkham game, uh, Batman taking out that whole room of people is still like, Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. Potentially probably the best batman in action scene we've yet to see on in, in live action but really loving other parts mm-hmm. of it as well i really love the introduction of them like the uh just that really chilling like you guys have covered it already the the them finding the all the women down in the, the little cage and then them shutting and going like oh, oh yeah it, it's still here and then going up and seeing the batarang you know stuck in the wall and that's like oh that's that's incredible like that's so all that stuff to me is like oh these, these things are are, are fantastic and of course, like you know, Wonder Woman showing up, all that is terrific. So I still hold it like there's problems with it in terms of um, just again, you know, it's pacing. It's a bit too long. It's a bit too uh, dreary. Like it's it could be a bit more. Like I know it's one of the cliche things people say now because like all oh, the Marvel films are fun, but it could have been there could have been a bit more humor in this. 
because uh, sometimes you are sitting watching it and it's just like, this is a Superman movie. Come on, crack a smile, guys. You know, but um, although I, I I totally get what they're going for, but it's just like I would have if it were me personally, I would have gone a different a different route. But um, I, 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 I enjoyed it when I first saw it. I think it's a flawed film for sure, but there's still many many good things to admire about it. So. Uh, I'm hoping it probably. I imagine probably with time, it'll its reputation will improve. Potentially, when you see everything laid out in terms of the plans for the future films, because you might see like where this was leading to, and it'll be you'll all start to make a bit more sense then. Of been like, oh, so this was all leading to that. So that works a lot better now. So, uh, but we have to see, I suppose. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we will see. Um, so if this isn't your favorite uh, story of the two characters, uh, do you have one that you would highly recommend over this Oh, but well, I'm, you know, you probably had it loads of times before, but I'd go for the, the world's finest, the, the animated crossover between the Batman animated series and the Superman animated series, because uh, I remember that being like a real event, like in the... As a kid in in Ireland, and back back then, you know, you didn't have ready access to the internet. You didn't know these things were coming. And uh, this landing was like, oh, by the way, Batman and Superman are in a TV show together now. And been like, what? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, watching that, I've been really like seeing some of the things like um, really really taken aback by some moments in it. That like you're really getting an idea of the characters, like when. You know, Batman's interrogating someone, and Superman comes in to stop him. You know, puts his hand on his shoulder, and Batman, without blinking an eye, turns around, and flips him over a table, and it's just like Jesus. You know, yeah. this Batman, it's, it really reinforces like this guy is such a badass, and he's also so crazy that he's just and he's so calm about it as well. It's like he's flipped Superman over a table. He's looking to fight him, and it's like a Superman, and it's just like that's that's Batman. That's how cool he is, and um, like because everything in there though is just like it's. It's top tier stuff because you have like fantastic iterances of, you know, Dana Delaney's Lois Lane is fantastic and Clancy Brown's Lex Luthor, obviously Mark Hamill's Joker then coming into play. There's mm-hmm. so many great things at play at the same time, and it's just seamlessly done. It's a perfect little story onto itself, and it's um, I think like in terms of if you're going outside the comic books, that would be for me is like the best iteration of it because that is, you know, it's long, it's longer, but it's very breezy. And it is quite, you know, there's dark points in it, but it's very light as well. It's, you know, it's it's, it's a perfect tone and perfect representation of the characters. And, uh, uh, you know, if you, I think it's only like 70 minutes long or something as well. So if, uh, if people, I'm sure it probably has been recommended on the show already, because I imagine quite a few people have, have, uh, who grew up in the 90s, that might be their go-to. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I would, if they have, I highly recommend it as well. So... <laughs> No, we had some person who said their their favorite one was uh, the cameo in I Am Legend. I'm just joking. <laughs> it's I don't think there's there's there might not be much competition, but I don't know. Maybe there's maybe there's something that we're missing. Mm. Maybe there's a maybe there is a Batman and Superman story that everyone's overlooking. I mean, like a, did you make the I Am Legend joke because of the the, the billboard Easter yeah. egg that's in that? Yeah. Dang, I just got mm. that. Wow, <laughs> that was a good joke, Mark. It was anyway. a terrible. Joke. I feel like someone would probably be like, um, "Oh, you know, Red Sun." Like that, that's that's weird. Like the Batman is Superman. Yeah, we've like we've had story. we've had some people say that. Yeah, it's yeah. a good. It's a great story. Um, the I think comics now they're doing uh, some crossovers with the 
Batman 66 and Wonder Woman. They call it Linda Batman Carter. Six, yeah, yeah. They call it Wonder Woman 77. Mm, yeah. And um, it would be cool for them to, to get the, the right and the, the green light to do a, you know, to include Christopher Reeve Superman in a, in a crossover mm. in book form. So it would be nice to see mm. that. This is still like, you know, someone like lived through that whole period of, uh, from like 97 through 2005 when there just was no Batman uh, coming on mm-hmm. screen and there was no Superman. And there's the amount of like, you know, hearing in movie magazines every other time of like, oh, there's going to be a Superman film and Batman's going to cameo at the end and all this kind of stuff. And like so many promising projects that might have been completely made up by the publications who published them. Um I just wonder, like, oh, what kind of alternative realities exist out there? There's, like, oh, there's some movie where, like, Ashton Kutcher is Batman and Josh Hartnett's Superman, <laughs> and somehow that's not terrible. Like, it's just... <laughs> Why did you choose those two those, guys? Those are two fellows who were... I remember they were rumored at the time. There was going to be... I think it was... You're kidding. Yeah, I think it was around the, uh, the Wolfgang-Peterson period, when the, all the talk of... Uh, I think before... Oh, no, because George Miller was doing Justice League, and then... There was the Wolfgang Peterson thing. I remember there were several names that popped up. I think like Jude Law was one of them, and there's a whole bunch of different people. But um, I remember Jude Law. I remember that being yeah. a thing. Army Hammer. Army yeah. Hammer. But I, th- I, rem- I remember the name. Common. It was Green Lantern. <laughs> really? But I do remember Ashton Kutcher and uh, uh, Josh Hartnett. Been. Josh yeah. Hartnett. Oh man. So Josh is. Right. See, I've, I've hated Josh Hartnett for years, but I'm feeling now it's like I've probably been way too hard on the guy. I'm sure he's he's nowhere near as bad as I remember him. But <laughs> he might be a good guy. We don't know. I'm sure no. he's a lovely person. Okay. I always yeah. feel bad, particularly now that I'm doing podcasts and you come out and you're like, "What a pile of dung!" I'm sure the people who made this, yeah. are like, <laughs> I'm sure they're lovely people. But uh, there's a, there is a, yeah. there's a, I think there's a period though in, in that 2000s era because every time I try to think about like who would be really great for these parts, and I think there's like in some alternate reality where I'm in charge, there's like a great Batman Superman film in like uh, the early 2000s where like, uh, you know, John Hamm is Superman and Lauren Graham is uh, is Lois Lane and Kiefer Sutherland is Batman and, you know, Crispin Glover is the Joker and all that kind of stuff. And (laughs) Billy Zane is Lex Luthor. But this is like, oh, that's the thing that could never have happened, but it should have, it would have been great. That sounds fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, ah, someday. Maybe if I somehow manage to gain control of all reality, I can warp time and space to make that happen. So it's happening on a different yeah. Earth in the multiverse. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Awesome. Do you guys have any closing notes before we wrap up for the week? Uh, nope. I'm I'm all, I'm all yeah. good. Thank you so much for joining us this oh, week. No, it's- Oh, you're welcome. I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, I think we guys, I'm not too sure if we got you down tight on the schedule yet, but I believe you'll be coming over to uh, Batman at 89 at some point if you're still up for it. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty stoked mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, we have a, especially for Batman Returns, which is probably. Uh, one of my favorite films mm-hmm. of all time. <laughs> and, you know, my, Michael Keaton. Like, it's always just mm. Michael Keaton. Oh, I mean, like, we're, we're, mm. uh, so we're just excited about all of it because we're, you know, mid-film now, so everything's all fun all the time. Every scene's a classic kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's it's all, uh, I think I was, I was saying the other day to someone, like, it's all a grand countdown 
to Batman Returns where I can talk about the scene where uh, Christopher Walken offers the Penguin unlimited poontang. It's like I can talk about that for like conservatively <laughs> about five hours just by itself. So conservatively, <laughs> we're we're waiting for it. All right, awesome. All righty, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up for the week. Yeah, if you enjoyed everything you heard, don't forget to leave us a five star review on iTunes. It really helps us out on the show. Helps listeners, uh, new listeners, find us. Uh, you can join the Facebook group, DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society, um, and you can join us other guests and other listeners talk about the minutes at hand and if you want more episodes we have a patreon now so you can go to patreon.com slash tool media and nate and i uh, do some bonus episodes where we uh, review comic books that you guys choose um so don't forget to check that out we got find you uh next week here on dc cinematic minute